Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Music Conversation Edition. My name is Ian. Thank you very much for joining me. I know you're going to be happy because tonight the special guest is returning friend of the show, Lauren Babick. Lauren is the lead vocalist of the band Red Handed Denial, and she has a brand new project with Jared Alonji called Crazy 88. Most people already know that Lauren is one of my favorite vocalists, so let's get to the conversation. To start, I'm going to play the first track from the new EP, No Words Spoken, by Crazy88. It's called Quid Pro Quo. Enjoy. And welcome back, everyone. I am very excited to have friend of the show, Lauren Babick, back on the show. Lauren, how are you doing tonight? I am doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. Absolutely. I looked back and I realized 
you're almost exactly a year apart from the first time you were on the show. Oh, no way. So it's perfect. It's like a friend of the show anniversary. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. But what I think is also great is everything you're doing right now with Crazy 88. And I had to have you on the show to talk about it. So can you get people that may not be familiar with it a little backstory? Okay. So basically, Jared Alonji contacted me via Twitter at first. Okay. And he messaged me and said, I have something to propose to you. And I was like, Oh, all right. Because I've been a fan. I've been a fan of this guy for so long. Like everyone, I think has seen at least one of his videos. Oh, sure. I think I think I could fairly say that. Yeah. So um, I was like, wow. All right. Thank you so much. Just email me. So he sent me a really long email saying he has a serious pro- project that he wants to start, and it would be his first serious project because we all know that he is sort of a comedy parody guy that does funny stuff on YouTube. Right. And I was like, that is, that's amazing. Thank you for reaching out to me. And he needed a vocalist for the project. Mm -hmm. And his plan was to do four covers and four originals as a double EP release. Okay. And I thought that was really cool to kind of promote this, new thing that he was trying and I think it's been very well received so far and all the songs that he had um it happened so quickly I can't believe how quickly the inception and then the release happened it was he asked me in I think it was the winter of 2016 so it was December that he kind of brought the idea up and then he showed me everything in February, all the instrumentals, mm-hmm. and then it was off to the races, and now he it's out <laughs> so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. The name of the EP is No Word Spoken. We had talked about it actually on the weekly show and gave it obviously glowing reviews because awesome. it really okay. is a really great EP. I think people already know you've been on the show before. You're one of my favorite vocalists out there right now. How did you decide that that was kind of the way you wanted to go with this EP. How did Jared actually say he knew you from? Did he actually have anything that he specifically referenced for why he reached out to you personally? Um, It was a combination of my YouTube covers Mm -hmm. and also Red Handed Denial. Right. He, he He said that he had been watching for a long time and he he kept revisiting me as the main vocalist for the project. And he he kind of was just like, you know what? You're perfect for it and you have to be on it. So the, I, I can actually tell you why the EP is called No Words Spoken. It's a really funny reason. Um, oh, go on. It's because we've actually never spoken verbally. <laughs> It's, I'm serious. Like I've never actually had a phone or voice conversation with him. So we did the entire EPA via texting and messaging. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's crazy. And it got to a point where he was like, "You know what? We should just keep going. We should just not speak because it would be funny." And I was like, "That's sick." So it really we just is. Went with it. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I have talked to you more times than Jared has, and you guys put out an amazing EP. Thank you. Yeah, it, it's just how, really funny how it all 
happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I guess knowing Jared and knowing, you know, the great stuff he puts out there on a regular basis, that sounds exactly like him, even on a personal level. I know. And he's he's one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. He had everything like his vision was so clear and so thought out for mm -hmm. this project and me coming into his world he he had everything thought out and it was so nice to work with someone who's like really organized really driven to get his vision out there mm -hmm. and i think it i think it exceeded our expectations for sure that's great to hear so now with him bringing you the instrumentals, with him kind of bringing you the ideas there, were you in charge of writing the lyrics, the structure? Like, what was your major part in the EP itself? Um, I brought a lot of melody mm -hmm. and sort of my, like, my thing. I, I brought my color, the, like, the way I accent certain notes. Oh, sure. And um, he had actually a lot of the lyrics jumbled together and then we were able to kind of piece them together so it mm -hmm. was I would say I would say the vocals were a collaborative effort okay because he had like I said he had a very clear vision for it right. and I I was really happy to work with him because I wanted I wanted to make sure that I did a good job for him right in a way it was it was like a I, I wanted to make him proud type thing for, for his his baby, you know? Yeah, and that makes total sense. So you would literally take those jumbled lyrics, put some stuff together, send it back to him. He would go ahead and go through it, send it back to you. You guys would bounce ideas back and forth, yeah, via exactly. email, video kind of stuff, but never actually talking. Ne we never <laughs> talked to each other. So it was kind of back and forth. I would send him little audio clips and he'd say, oh, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? And I was like, all right, cool. I'll send you something in a couple of minutes. So it was like a very communicative, but not verbal. <laughs> <laughs> what I would imagine, too, is because you've been so great about doing covers, not only with Cole Rowland, but tons of other people, as well as these collaborative projects, you were probably one of the perfect people to do something like this with because you're so used to sending things back and forth, working on things, tuning them. Is that kind of how you feel? Yeah, it was it it happened pretty naturally because we we both have experience with working with people from very far away, maybe from other countries mm -hmm. via the Internet. So he's from Tennessee and I'm from Toronto. Right. So we can't exactly just be like, all right, I'll, I'll see you in 10 minutes. I'll drive over. <laughs> like it's, it's it just doesn't happen that way when you do an Internet collaboration. So it it was pretty natural for us. So how long in total then would you say it took to get the finished product? I would say about a month and a half. I started to really dive into recording the vocals at my house. Mm -hmm. So all the... All the tracks I did, I did myself. I didn't go to a studio. Oh, okay. And yeah, it was a very homegrown EP. We, we did it completely ourselves. We didn't go to any studios. And then we sent everything off to Johnny Frank, who mixed yes. the EP. And then Joey Sturgis mastered it. Oh, very which, nice. Which I was, I was like, wow, we're going to get Joey Sturgis to master this thing. That's that's crazy. It, that's awesome. 
No, that's great. And yeah, I'll actually be talking to Johnny Frank in a day or two. So, oh, nice. Yeah, this was actually planned to go ahead and talk to him about this as well, because I've had him on the show before, and we're going to talk Bill Murray, but we're also nice. going to talk this as well. So that's awesome. So now, do you have in your home almost like a makeshift studio? You wouldn't believe how simple it is. Is it like really? It's, if I were, well, I've taken a couple uh, like uh, Instagram stories mm-hmm. of my setup, and it's if if any big shot were to ever look at it, <laughs> they'd probably laugh at me. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's very humble. It's it's very very small. It it just consists of like one interface and my DAW which is Reaper. It's not even yes. Pro Tools. <laughs> and and then I have um, a few condenser mics that I, I like to test out and mm-hmm. try out, see what works on the day. And yeah, it's really small. Like, it's hilarious. <laughs> well, look, it's great because everything that you put out that I've heard anyways has sounded excellent. So there must Thank be you. something you're doing right. Thank you. I think, I think with, with vocals, you can kind of I mean, if you know what you're doing when you're tracking, I mm-hmm. think you can get away with a really, really simple setup. Because I think I've, I've gone through a few um, condenser mics, and I think I finally found the one that I really like, at least for my home studio anyway. Oh, sure. And then when you get to an actual studio that you might record with Red Handed Deny or something like that, you have your favorites there as well? Yeah, like we'll try a couple things out. We usually have a microphone sh- shootout. Mm. We'll have like six of them in a row and then we'll I'll sing the same thing into each one and then we'll we'll figure out which one sounds the best. Oh, okay. And then go from there. Is there anything you would recommend to a person that's starting out, maybe someone that wants to do cover songs, someone that wants to do vocals in their own home? Is there anything you would recommend to them? Um in terms of microphones? Yeah, in terms of microphones in terms of really any way to get their voice out there, I guess. Um, really, um, I think the first hurdle that a lot of that dissuades a lot of people is the money. Like how? Oh, how can I get all this equipment to to really do things in a professional way? Mm-hmm. And I, and you'd be like I said, you'd be surprised at how how little cost it actually costs to get um, decent equipment to start. I started with. What was my starting microphone? Like way back four years ago, I started with an MXL 990 and I bought it for 50 bucks on oh, musiciansfriend.com. So 50 bucks is hilarious. Yeah. If, really if you were to like look at some of the stuff that's out there, you can really break the bank if you don't really dive in and look. Right. But I found a lot of things that don't really like put a hole in your wallet, but still sound great. Yeah, that's definitely a good thing for people to know. Yeah, look, the mic that I use is one on the expensive end for sure, just because I know I'm getting constant use out of it. So I had to shop around and know this is what I need. This is what's going to last me, you know, hours and hours a day to go ahead and put this stuff out. Now, how much? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, No, I was going to say if it depends on what you're doing, how long you're doing it, what what kind of work you're doing i mean you're not gonna start a youtube channel and like buy a neumann mic right you know (laughs) like you're not gonna start with that you gotta start small start start humble and then you gotta work your way up basically absolutely 
So you mentioned the covers EP as well, which mm-hmm. I think was also very well done. I would say, in general, you are the queen of covers, if no one has ever <laughs> told you that. <laughs> sure. Thank you. Did Jared go ahead and choose those covers as well, or did you have input on that? He did. So he had, I think he had the Killers track already done. Okay. And he w- he was like, I it's been sitting here, and I don't know what to do with it, and it just so happened that I really like that song. So mm-hmm. we went ahead and put that one on. Um, he really wanted to do two classic covers and then two new ones okay. to kind of mix to kind of mix it up. Right. And he was kind of toying with maybe Under Oath. Oh. But we ended up going with My Chemical Romance, and I absolutely adore them. Yes. So I was more than happy to to do goes to you because i absolutely love that song that is not only a great song but i think you guys really brought something different and made that track your own which is very difficult with my chemical romance tracks yeah i was and like with with any artist that you really respect Mm -hmm. before you start to cover one of their songs you always get this like feeling of dread hoping (laughs) that hoping that you'll do it justice and hoping that people will enjoy it and and sort of not say that you butchered a really good song (laughs) and especially anything from like the three cheers for sweet revenge era right i was i was like okay we got to do this well because this track is like a huge track and i was i was really happy how it came out it was it was really good i i really like it yeah it's very tough and i am no way comparing this to what you do but going to like a karaoke bar and if it <laughs> happens to have some My Chemical Romance in there, it's always very tough to listen to people really try and do that because you have to have something behind your voice in order to pull that off. Yeah, there's something about um, Gerard Way that you have to like, you have to be pained, I feel. Like yeah. you have to, you have to be really... Like, you have to gone through some shit yes. to really sing like Way. <laughs> but, yeah, there's something so unique about his voice that not very many people could pull off. And I'm just really happy with how ours came out. Because it could have gone either way, for sure. Right. That is very true. Now, do you get still kind of freaked out when you hear all the rumors of, you know, MCR getting back together? Of course. Why? <laughs> Who wouldn't? I mean... I don't know how they feel. I don't know how MCR feels because for all we know, they could be like, oh, God, this again. Like, we just want to move on. Like, no one really knows. But, I mean, I can dream. (laughs) I can can dream. It happens so often that now it's like my heart's already broken. So I don't know how to continue to hear them over and over again. I know. And so many artists are kind of using their 10-year Mm-hmm. anniversary to get back together with like a reunion tour so i i think i think black parade was yeah it was its 10 year right yes yeah so ev- i know everyone was like oh my god they should tour <laughs> and and i was like i don't know about them like it seems like they might want to hold off right and it it sucks but i i hope it happens no i them, do too yeah them out of anybody i would love to see them come back at least for one tour oh you already beat me to my question because that was (laughs) gonna be the next one at least for me they did it the best way they possibly could 
when they did Black Parade originally, when they went on that huge tour, they did it as they're the Black Parade as a separate band doing the entire album. And then they came back out as My Chemical Romance and did like another 15 songs or something. And I couldn't have asked for more for that. I wish that they would do something similar, but I'm just not sure if it's possible. I'm really jealous that you've even seen them live because they're one band I've never seen live. Oh, wow. That breaks me even more. Oh, like no. <laughs> it breaks my heart even more because they're they're one of the very few bands I've n- never seen. Yeah. And and it's just it pains me. It really does. See, now I, I'm gonna hurt you by saying this probably. <laughs> um <laughs> when they were releasing the Black Parade the first time, they played their opening show, a secret show, at a very, very small club that's no longer in Boston, but it was called Axis. And Mm -hmm. they gave free tickets away, and all you had to do was just go wait out in line. And I got to see them in that extremely small venue. Oh, my gosh. That must have been amazing. It was. It was absolutely. Like, you can't even say I've never seen My Chemical Romance do a bad show, and I saw them at Warped Tour, too. Oh, wow. But that's just the band they were. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. All right. Well, I am very sorry. Is there there any go-to karaoke song? That And I'm not saying like if you go to one of those punk rock karaoke type things where they might have more of the music that we would listen to. But do you have a go-to like regular pop or rock song that you would sing at a karaoke bar? Um, okay, well, I've only been to karaoke once in my life. And funny story, it was actually after I saw Periphery in Buffalo oh, at the waiting room. Nice. And it just so happened that Spencer was there. Really? So Spencer and I sang Don't Stop Believing by Journey. <laughs> and I I made a vow to myself like like not even a month before that that moment mm-hmm. that I would never sing Journey live. I <laughs> and I vowed because that song it's just ru- always ruined by drunk people. Yes. And I, I was like I can't. I just can't. So that happened. Mm-hmm. And that was the only song I've ever sang at karaoke. But I would probably, if I were to go again, mm-hmm. I would, I think Kelly Clarkson is my girl. Okay. Like I would totally sing Because of You or Since You've Been Gone. Sure. It's just, it just brings out the the excitement in me. Would you try the A Day to Remember version or the actual legitimate Kelly Clarkson version? No, the Kelly Clarkson version okay. for sure. <laughs> I mean, I love the Day to Remember version, but I would absolutely go OG and sing the Kelly Clarkson version. There you go. Did Spencer choose that actual song to do? And how did that all happen to begin with? Um, yes, he chose the song. And basically, um, I went to the Periphery show in Toronto two days prior. Okay. And like I've, I've been talking to Misha for a while on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to the Toronto show. And he's like, all right. I hope, like, I'll put you on guest list and we'll, like, I hope to chat with you after and hang out. And I was like, all right. But the the problem with Toronto is that we always have shows at bigger venues. Okay. Because, unfortunately, here in Canada, we don't have as many concert cities, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So, usually, tours stop at, like, Toronto and Montreal and then that's it right and then they leave so the shows are going to be bigger because people will come from all over Mm -hmm. to watch so 
I never ended up getting to like chill and talk to Misha face to face. So I I was bummed. He was bummed out. And I was like, listen, why don't I make it out to the Buffalo show? Because it's at a really small venue. And he was like, all right, well, that's really cool. Like, I hope you can make it out. He And he didn't expect me to, to come. To actually but do it. <laughs> I was like, I had nothing to do. And Buffalo's only about an hour and a half drive. That's not so, bad. So, like, I was like, whatever, I'll just go. And then um, I've never seen Periphery at such a small venue. So it was it was unbelievable. Right. And then we we just got to chill after the show and hang out. And then Spencer was just there drinking some boxed wine. And he was <laughs> like, yo, let's do some karaoke. I'll, I'll set some journey up. And I was like, oh, God, all right. <laughs> Sounds good. And so, yeah, that's that. It was, it would just happen. <laughs> well, that's an amazing story for you, I'm sure, not only for everyone to listen, but when we had talked before and then also you've done covers of Periphery songs, I know they're one of your favorite bands, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're way up there, for sure. So how were your nerves then, knowing that you were singing with Spencer? <laughs> I mean, the song itself is funny enough, so maybe that calmed you a little bit, but were you freaking out the entire time? Um, I don't think during the karaoke, I think the initial just sort of ice breaking mm. vibes, like sure. when I first, when I first went to hang out with them, just finally meeting them all together in a room. Cause right. you know what, you know, at a show when you kind of see them walking around, you just say hi right, and say like, good show. It's, it's nice, but you never really get to have a real conversation with them. Very true. Or with anyone in bands that you look up to. So it was nice to talk about things even not music related, just mm-hmm. life. Right. And and yeah, it was it was great. I think we uh, it was a great night. It was like to chill with your favorite one of your favorite bands is not something you get to do every day. So And then to sing with them. And then to sing <laughs> Journey. Uh, karaoke (laughs) while you were talking you know not only real life stuff but a little bit of music as well did you kind of slide the idea over to Spencer that maybe you guys could collaborate on something I no (laughs) I didn't I I mean sometimes when you are like talking with people that like you look up to Mm -hmm. I I, kind of didn't want to just you know shamelessly just be like hey we should collab like I don't know. I, I didn't want to do that. I, I just wanted to keep it casual and, and just hang out, have a good time. That's a good way to look at it. No, yeah. it definitely is. Well, let me ask you something about touring a little bit, because okay. the last time that we spoke, you were about to do your first ever North American tour. And oh, okay, yeah. yeah, remember that? Yeah. Unfortunately, you weren't able to make it to Boston that time. So right. I wasn't able to see you guys live. But how was the tour in general? Like, what was the difference between touring in Canada compared to touring in the States? Um, I think what I love about touring the States is that there's just more places to go. There are more cities, more venues, more people. Mm-hmm. And even if the shows are a little smaller, um, you just get to have a little taste of each city, and um, I, I had a, I had an amazing time in the states because the, the venues that we played and the people we met mm-hmm. were so diverse in every single city. I couldn't t- tell you like just how different everything was, and it, and everyone was actually really nice, you know. Oh, good. Like 
when you go on a tour that you booked yourself, you're not exactly like there will be challenges and that just some feelings of the unknown. You right. never know what you're going to get yourself into. And it was nice to know that there were people there supporting us and, and having our back in case anything went wrong. So it was, especially when you're in another country, when there's just that whole other border issue. Right. And, um, not everyone had phone service. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So it, there's just that little extra, um, disconnect from, from your home right. and it, it couldn't have gone better. I mean, it was, it was awesome. We had an amazing band touring with us called Hampton Hollow mm-hmm. and we, we came out of that tour best friends and oh, it was, awesome. it's always a nice feeling when you, when you vibe with your touring partner. Right. Yeah. How was the reception for American fans compared to what you were used to in Canada? Um, well, when you play the same cities a lot, um, generally you're going to see a lot of return return customers, as I like to call it. Right. And when you see a band four or five times, like I don't know if I don't know about other people, but for me, like sort of the the magic wears off a little bit. Okay. I don't know. Like as opposed to seeing your one of your favorite bands for the very first time, sure. like nothing, nothing will really compare to the first time, I guess. I think there's a song about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there were some people who came out to the shows in the states, mm-hmm. and they they never thought that we would that we would go to their city, right? And they were absolutely just elated with us getting to perform for them and it was it was an amazing feeling to make someone feel so happy (laughs) you know right right that's got to be great yeah for red-handed denial right now what's the status are you guys planning on doing tour are you writing new music um well we just in may we we did a eastern canada tour right we went out to the maritimes way out on the east coast because we've never actually gone out there before how was that it was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, bands never go out there oh, on okay. tours unless you're Protest the Hero. Like, Protest the Hero is the only oh, sure. <laughs> real band that goes out there. Right. But, they, like, it was so amazing just how beautiful the landscapes are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the venues were really small, but it, it was a really intimate setting. And I love small shows anyway. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, everyone was really nice. We got to go... Um, out to Quebec City. We'd never gone out to Quebec City before. Oh, nice. So it was, it was nice to kind of explore our own country mm-hmm. and and get to the fans out there. No, that's very cool. Yeah. Um, and then this summer, I guess, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break from shows. Okay. And we're going to be writing for a new album. Awesome. So, that's yeah, great. Yeah, new music. Yes. You put out new music all the time. But it's also very cool to know that Red Handed Denial is going to be doing it as well. Yeah, and it was Crazy 88 came out at such a good time. Like it, it came out as we were on tour. So right. I was freaking out. I was like, Jared, I don't know if I can make all these like, like how do I balance all my social media promotion? Like <laughs> sure. I, I have no idea. And he was just like, just go with it. It's fine. I know you're on tour, but it's fine. So... <laughs> That came out, and then um, we're actually going to be releasing a 
little, not teaser track, but like a little track um, in July, probably. Oh, awesome. Okay. It, it's going to be an instrumental track similar to the last track on the EP, yeah. Wanderer. Mm-hmm. So it's it'll be, I mean, we're going to talk about Wanderer a little later, yes. but um, it'll be sort of a bridging the gap between both albums. And I'll, oh, very nice. I'll, okay. I'll touch on that when we get into the concept later. Oh, absolutely. Well, let me yeah. ask you just in general of Crazy 88 and Red Handed Denial kind of being together a little bit. Do you think that helped with any cross promotion? Like when you were up on stage, did you mention Crazy 88? Do you think you've gotten some fans because they heard you on Crazy 88 maybe for the first time? Oh, for sure. Um, people came up to me after the shows and they said, I found out about you guys through Jared and I was like, that's so cool. So yeah. there definitely has been some trickling, trickling down from Jared's channel for sure. Very nice. And yeah, cause he's, he like his content is crazy. So right. he gets, he gets like fans from everywhere and it was nice to see sort of the crossover episode <laughs> right <laughs> like people were able to to find us through crazy 88 it was cool and there is some <clears throat> wow geez sorry about that i know my voice sounds terrible right now is it the cold it's, thing it okay i'm still wondering if it's a cold or if it's just really bad allergies because uh, like okay i haven't really been able to breathe the past like <laughs> three weeks so it could be <laughs> really bad allergies no, that's and, definitely been hitting some people. Oh my gosh, like it's just so bad this year. I don't know why. It's just it's killing me slowly. <laughs> yeah. At least it's not softly. Not so, softly. Not softly. Just slowly. <laughs> there is something that I forgot to ask about. I feel like red-handed denial has a lot of humor based in the actual band itself and sometimes it comes out in music videos like the recent one you did for trespasser yes. do you think that that <laughs> might be kind of why you and jared get along well because of that kind of humor that you might share together oh for sure and i think um the reason why we did trespasser the way we did was because um our pre- all, like all our previous videos have been very serious right. and very um, very dark at times. Mm-hmm. And we really wanted to kind of showcase the people we actually are in right. a way. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know, like in the, in the industry right now, like there's a lot of um, bands coming out with very serious content, a lot of political undertones and whatnot. True. And we just wanted to touch on the lighter side of things, I guess, and and just be ourselves in right. in the video because we are a very, very not serious <laughs> like group. Like we, I I can't even. It's it's just hard for us to get a band photo. Like I, <laughs> some, it's very frustrating. Like the guys are are so there. There's. There's, it's like a whole other level of jokesters. Right. I can't even explain to you. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it really tied in nicely with what Jared was doing, and just to give a, a little bit of a, of a different side of our band. Right. That definitely works. I mean, look, I love the synchronized swimming part. <laughs> I thought that was great. Did you ever jump in the pool yourself? I did not. It was actually kind of cold that day. Gotcha. So I, I felt bad that the guys had to go in there. 
So <laughs> we we compromised and gave them shirts. Oh, okay. Because initially we were going to put them in like really small tank tops, <laughs> gotcha. which would have been sure. really funny, but it was just too cold and I felt bad. So, right. so we gave them the black shirts yeah, <laughs> instead. Yeah. That- it, it definitely did work, and I'm sure we'll talk about the actual song itself when we get to Wanderer. But bringing up a little serious as well, just to switch gears, I know it's complete 180 from what we were just talking about. You were also a guest vocalist for Backwards on Veracity. Yes, I was, yes. How did you enjoy and that? I loved it. Yeah. I, think, I think what Backwards is doing as far as sort of making this pissed off music and just like making it completely about their passions and their beliefs Mm -hmm. like even even if like um libertarianism doesn't really reflect my political view Mm -hmm. i i absolutely support people um voicing what they believe in right and obviously like in a non-violent way oh yeah and and that's absolutely what um, Eric and backwards promotes they right. promote they promote nonviolence and like I fuck with that like I, I fuck with it so right. like uh, Eric he after him being on the album he was like well we have to have you on ours it's nice. only it's only fair so I was <laughs> yeah. like that's that's awesome so um, he put me on or they they had me on the track democracy sucks yep and I got to write my parts completely oh very and nice okay yeah so that was really cool so um yeah i think it's amazing what they're doing they're they're getting a whole bunch of buzz yes and i love how they're independent and they they got to keep going i love them no absolutely yeah i found out that you were on that track before the album came out because I was down at So What Festival and oh, Eric no was yeah, Eric was hanging out. So I was doing interviews, so I just, you know, shot the shit with him for a little bit and I mentioned how much I liked his collaboration with you and he was like, Oh, we didn't even put it out there yet, but Lauren's doing the track Democracy Sucks on our new album. So I was very excited when I got a chance to hear that. He had nothing but good things to say about you and he's an extremely nice guy. Like people might oh, he's see, wonderful. yeah, they might see the he's political wonderful. thing and think, oh no, he's always angry or something. He's a super nice guy. No, he's wonderful. He's, I think it sometimes people confuse anger with passion. Right. And he's just so passionate about what he believes in, but he's, he's such a nice dude. He's so down to earth and he, he's always willing to have like a, like a intelligent conversation yes. with anybody. So I, I really respect that. Is there something where you would ever be able to put a tour together with both bands? I hope so. That would be I mean, awesome. Yeah, I think they have. Um, I think they have a booking agent, so um, we'd have to. Hopefully, the stars align one right. day. No, that but, would um, be great. I know they're coming to Toronto with Vanna. Oh, on, very nice. On Vanna's um, final tour. Yep. So I will finally get to meet Eric and finally chat with him. Oh, that's awesome! Be nice to meet him. Yeah. <laughs> I had just gone to that Vanna show. So unfortunately, Backwards isn't on this leg of the tour that I just saw. But I think you're going to love it. Like, are you getting Ghost Key on that one and Sirens and Sailors? I don't know. I haven't really checked. I just know Backwards is on it. Oh, okay. Sirens and Sailors might be on it. Which is funny because I I think Sirens and Sailors was on the tour when I saw Vanna last time. 
Yes, so that, that I think they might, were. They might be on it. I'll, I'll have to check. Yeah, either way, I think you're going to be blown away by the show. At least from, I mean, it technically was a hometown show. You know, the final farewell. Yeah, they're from, yeah, they're from Boston. Yeah. I doubt they just put more into it. I think they're going to carry that throughout the entire tour. But I think you're really going to enjoy it. Oh, Vanna is one of the bands that I absolutely adore seeing them live because Davey mm-hmm. brings so much to the front man position. Like right. it's it's a whole other level of connection with the crowd that he brings. It's it's so emotional. I usually cry at least once during a Vanna, <laughs> during a Vanna set. So that's always good. Do you have a favorite track that you can think of off the top of your head? I think you're Year of the Rat for sure. Okay. Yeah, that is a great one. That's true. You're going to love that no matter what, but that's awesome that you also get backwards there too. Oh, for sure. I think it's going to be awesome. We could show. Very nice. All right. I think we can transfer over to Wanderer because once again, this is something that we had talked about at the end of the show the last time that we spoke, and I sent probably a really terrible synopsis of what I think the EP is about, so I'm You're excited. You're pretty close, though. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, please tell everyone in the audience because I hate being wrong. That is, <laughs> that is great. But I think it would be really cool to go through the EP and kind of talk a little bit about it. We had mentioned it is a concept album, and it's one of my favorite releases of 2016, so I'm really excited to go over this. So, Lauren, why don't you take us away? First track, Manipulator. All right, so I guess I should just give a general um, context to the album. So it's, it's basically about a person that experiences a traumatic experience early on in their life, Okay, and perhaps they don't. Um, deal with it in the best of ways and they let it um, they let it fester inside and they let it get to them perhaps um, it sparks some mental illness along the way okay and it's about a person that just simply allows their demons to eat them alive and the album is just a story about the slow collapse of a person into darkness so that's kind of the the general um, context of it. And obviously, each track, um, things get progressively worse. Right. And until the climax, obviously, at the end, and we'll, we'll get to that. And um, they, kind of, they kind of face themselves on their deathbed and wonder like, what they did with their life. So, uh, yeah, okay. I guess we can, do, um, we can do Manipulator first. Um, Manipulator is basically the, it's sort of the trigger event that, that triggers the rest of the domino effect of this person. And, um, contextually it's about, um, it's about a girl that, um, betrays a a boy and manipulates the boy into, um, falling in love with her and she betrays him and, basically ends up shattering his heart in the end and she's actually just a temptress and she does this to many many people and he finds out and doesn't take it very well and then the last line of the song the monster in you made a monster in me right it sort of it sort of triggers that anger inside and he takes that with him throughout the rest of his life and it it just gets worse and worse so then in the video 
for a manipulator. Mm-hmm. That girl is the actual manipulator. She is. Okay. So, um, yeah, the video it is is pretty close to what the song is actually about within mm-hmm. the context. So, um, the male is obviously has a girlfriend at home. Right. And the the girl at the show um, basically seduces him and tempts him to leave with her and he ends up giving in right and obviously regrets it in the end yeah but but also allows himself to give in and you, you kind of see that when he's in the bathroom right kind of kind of battling it out with himself like should I should I do this but you know what I'm gonna do it I gotta prove it to myself that you know, I'm not a wimp, blah, blah, right. blah. Sure. But then it, it kind of comes back and bites him. Right. In the end. Yeah. But now, is that the main character then that the EP is written about? Yes. And I, I wrote it so that um, it could be either a guy or a girl. Right. Like, it doesn't specifically have to be about one gender. Makes sense. It, it could be very multifaceted. Um. So it, it doesn't really have to be gender specific, I guess. So is there then a dichotomy? And sorry if we're you know going too deep into this. Oh, that's but okay. But I have definitely thought about it because I've listened to this over and over again and then also seen the music videos. So in that where he has a girlfriend already mm-hmm. is the kind of dichotomy here that he's also somewhat to blame not only the manipulator herself for being able to kind of control him but then also he's the bad person as well kind of thing he is he is and he he sort of allows himself he because he wants to prove to himself that he's sort of a big shot Mm -hmm. in a way so i think these feelings of wanting to impress people and and be cool in a way because manipulator is about a time when the protagonist is younger mm-hmm. and sort of more vulnerable. Okay. So he kind of hasn't really um, cut his teeth yet. Right. Sort of, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So then he progresses to be worse when you get to the next track, which is right. Trespasser. Right. And um, Trespasser is basically about him realizing that he's not the person that he was and trespasser is is definitely um about mental illness okay and not dealing with um your issues in your head right away or in the right way Mm -hmm. so it things start to get a little bit more um malicious Uh, and sadistic in trespasser and I don't know if you have the hard copy. Do you have the hard copy? I don't have it with me. I have it in my car. Okay. So <laughs> you've seen the, the lyric book, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in the artist who did the lyric book actually um, artistically portrayed the story in a little bit of a different context. He did the artwork based on a doctor. Oh, okay. And the doctor um, goes too far. In his experiments. I see. All right. Does that make sense? What I think about is I think about the video for Collector, right? Yeah. When we had talked about that originally, that seemed to be that kind of like overly hygienic type of, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but that's Mm -hmm. originally something that I thought based on that video. Okay. That's good. Because 
like I said, like the the story of the 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 EP mm-hmm. could it could be anyone. It could be a doctor. It could be um, a corporate businessman. Oh sure. It it could be um, a soldier. Mm-hmm. So it's basically someone who has uh, is is starting to get a little bit power hungry. Ah. Um, they're they're. Their demons are affecting them to do worse things, right? In whatever context that it may be. So, in the artwork of the album, it's basically a doctor that becomes obsessed. I see. Okay. And and trespasser is the song that, um, that is the moment where they realize they're not who they were, and right. in a way, they're a little bit possessed. Ah. by by this by this new evil person inside them sure and now they now they can't really fight it anymore and it's it's taking hold of them so that's trespasser and that's bookmarked very well in the music video because we talked about just recently you know earlier on the show where you know that's a really fun video and you can tell that you guys had fun making it but the beginning of it sets a completely different tone and so does the ending so you right. kind of bookmark that more of the change the possession the whole exactly. yeah he's not who he used to be now he's uncontrollable right and this despite the the video being so funny and so light mm-hmm. if you notice like our main character in the video is the twin brother and he obviously is feeling very anxious to go to the party right so it it has a little bit of social anxiety tied in there Mm -hmm. and he basically doesn't want to be there and he it it ends up changing him and affecting him negatively and then he turns into a zombie yes so (laughs) it's 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 like kind of a weird messed up way to portray feelings of anxiety and social anxiety if that makes sense. No, I think it does. I think people will hopefully see the beginning and end part and not just the middle to know what's going on in the music video. Yeah, and a few people have picked up on it. I mean, it, it's a very subtle message inside, mm-hmm. but those who look deeper into it, I think will very easily find it. No, that makes total yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then from there, we go into Patronizer. Right, and I, there's a little bit of a time gap between like in the timeline Mm -hmm. so trespasser would be sort of this person is a little bit older okay from from manipulator so some some time has passed and they've allowed their wounds to sort of fester Mm -hmm. as as they as the lyric goes and um patronizer is basically when they're in their like the top of their career basically Mm -hmm. whatever that career may be and they are they are taking advantage of the power that they have okay. within their job. And um, we were going to do a music video for Patronizer, but I don't think it's going to happen. Oh, okay. And in that one, we were going to portray a very rich businessman that takes advantage of his workplace and starts to do very like disgusting things right. um, to his coworkers, to to maybe some of the women in his life. Okay. Um, and just, um, it's at a point in the story where the character has buried all their demons and sort of put them on the back burner. And the demons are slowly doing their 
doing their dirty work and pulling the strings in their brain. And ah, okay. um, it's now affecting the people around him. Gotcha. And, and this, to note, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but just to okay. note, this is also where Eric July does guest vocals. Right. He does guest vocals on Patronizer. And um, the point of view for this song mm-hmm. is sort of a third person narration okay and they're sort of looking at the main character and saying you are like they're condemning them basically like you are doing terrible things right now um who are you to um to do all these things you are completely disregarding um your morals and your ethics and you're you're just going rogue basically right belief is questioned in this track as well yes and um this song was very actually personal to me it was about um someone in my life that was very um condescending oh and they would put everyone down around them i see and um he would sort of not physically take advantage of women but sort of um demean female opinions Uh. openly without um, without even um, knowing that it was wrong at all, right? And that—that's where the inspiration from. That's where the inspiration for the song came from. Is it was a really personal experience for me. Now, yeah. for no. the rest of the EP, then, and sorry, I think there's an echo every once in a while that's happening. I'm not exactly sure why. But for the rest of the EP, when you guys are writing this and you're going through this concept, but also kind of putting those personal experiences in. Is the rest of the band having any personal experiences that they're putting into these tracks as well? Um, the I guess the lyrical content is mostly it's mostly mine, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think everyone can safely say that they've had experience experiences in their life where maybe their mental health has been tested. Right. Um, maybe their social dynamic around them has been has been tested by someone mm-hmm. who is who is perhaps trying to um, destroy um, relationships around them. Right. So I, I think they're they're definitely relatable to the guys in the band as well. Personally for you, when you have a song like this that really you have to put a lot into, does that help you to sing that out? Does it help you to put it down in a track and then sing it maybe multiple times on tour and, you know, for a music video, possibly all that kind of stuff. Does that actually help you heal from that, become stronger a little bit? Oh, for sure. I think, I think writing about something and sort of putting it on the paper and delivering it on a, on a record, Mm -hmm. it kind of puts puts the feelings to rest a little bit. Okay. It, it kind of releases them into the universe and it, it's kind of like a, like a cleanse for me. Yeah. Like I, I'm able to, to get them out of my head, get them out of my body and just sort of eradicate them. Sure. Which is really cool. And I think for me, patronizer is definitely the track that I have the most emotional connection singing live. Mm-hmm. And it is a it's a pretty challenging song to yeah. sing as well. It's very vocally demanding for me, so it it adds that little extra um, that little extra fire, I guess. Oh sure, okay. For me, yeah. Right. If you are doing a set, do you do it at the end 
do you do it at a certain point because you know you're going to put so much into it? Um, we usually put it near the end. Okay. For sure. Because I think the, the obviously the end of a set is when you're starting to feel um, a little fatigued. You're, you kind of have to find that second wind. Oh, right. And, and you got to fight to till the end and just push through. And patronizers are really good one to, to get me back on the ground, I guess. Uh, sure. to get me to get me amped up again. Right. Very nice. Now, after that, you go into Widowmaker. Mm-hmm. And I think Widowmaker is the defining moment of the character um, because up until now, his actions have been, they've been bad, but not, um, not ne- for lack of a better word, um, detrimental. Okay. And Widowmaker is the track where the character is faced with a decision where they have to perhaps kill someone and, and take the life of someone and they choose to take the life. And there's, there's obviously political undertones in this song about, um, about guns and who should have guns. Sure. If, if you've picked up on it and, if we were to do a music video for this one, it would have been about um, gang violence for sure. Okay, all right. And perhaps about a person who gets involved with the wrong people, right? And ends up having to make a choice: do they do they act on something or do they not act on something? And all the experiences that this person has had up until now, it's kind of like. Now they've done all these things and now they're craving more. Right. But it's come down to the ultimate sin, basically. And if you're in the doctor context, the doctor, the doctor's experiment goes too far and they end up taking the life. Yes. And in, in the artworks case, it would have been the woman on the front of the, of the cover. Ah, okay. And she she kind of represents all things pure, all things earthly. We call her Earth Mother. Oh, okay, <laughs> that makes and sense. Yeah. Basically, basically, she's the personification of innocence, of purity, and this is the moment when the main character has killed their own innocence. Like it's completely gone. Right. Yeah. There's no turning back after right. they've made this decision. Yeah, and that's why it's called Widowmaker, because the person, they've claimed a life now. Right. And that's that's not something that you can come back from. No, very true. Yeah, that would be that defining moment. Everything's just been leading up to that, right? Right. Okay. And it, it it could be anyone. It could be any situation. Maybe it was, um... Maybe it was an abusive relationship and um, the person went too far and injured their partner to the point where they have died. It it could have been that. It could be anything, really. No, absolutely. I mean, you could even lower the intensity, maybe, of some of these and make it that it's a bad relationship where, at this point, this is the cheating part. Right. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe someone drinks too much and they end up um, doing something physical that right. they don't they don't necessarily thought they could have done a while ago. But then, it, then it's kind of like, well, I've I've done all this. What I'm about to do isn't 
that much worse right. type thing. Maybe it could have been someone who has fallen into an addiction. True. Maybe this maybe this was the rock bottom moment. Mm-hmm. Maybe this was the moment that someone OD'd. Like it ah, it could sure. really be anything. Maybe not like it the intensity could vary, but it this this song is kind of the defining moment yes. of the character. When, what, where they can no longer go back. Whatever you might define as that no going back point, whatever situation it might be, that's mm-hmm. what this character has just gone through. Yeah. And um the little interlude at the end yes. with the piano, that is the sort of the realization of the character looking looking around and saying, oh my gosh, look what I did. And it's, it's that really, um, like, we wanted to keep that interlude mm-hmm. there so that the instrumental could reflect the emotion. And it's kind of a realization moment. Yeah, that's like, that introspection kind of thing yeah so the character might be gone but there's still something there that's making them still human in a way right it and it deals with it kind of touches on our um um our conscience right maybe the conscience has we reawokened after a some crazy situation and they snap back to reality for a moment and Ah. realize what they've done right that makes sense and i do want to note I think what makes a great concept album a lot of times is the ability to follow a story, but then also relate it to different, either your own personal stories that go along with it or Mm -hmm. some other, like the way you're saying that, you know, it could be a doctor, it can be someone else. If you can take those experiences and still put it into the concept realm that you're going for, I think that's a great way to tell a story. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted to keep it um, as open-ended as possible, mm-hmm. right. but sort of create a guideline for any narrative right. that someone could, like any listener could be listening and say like, oh, this, this relates to my life, or I know, I know a situation where this could happen to someone. So I wanted to keep it open-ended in that way right? so that more people can kind of um, connect with it. No, that's a great way to do it. So then from there we go on to Collector. Yeah. And Collector is the moment when, um, they are beginning to get punished for what they, what they've done. And, um, it's the moment when the character meets their untimely death. They sort of, um, cash in on their karma Mm -hmm. and they end up um, they end up dying okay. in a way. And this is the moment on their deathbed when they're looking back on their life and re- sort of realizing that maybe the decisions that they made weren't exactly the best decisions. Sure. And in this song, we, we meet the Grim Reaper. Right. Who is kind of um, hurting them into the afterlife. And the character is very, very afraid so the, the song undertone is an emotion of being very afraid and unsure of what's going to happen. And for a while, like, he's kind of running away from the Grim Reaper. And the Grim Reaper's behind him and sort of talking to him. It's like, okay, it's time to go. And he's like, no, I'm really afraid right now. So it's a very haunting song. And I think for me, 
compositionally, Collector is definitely my favorite. Okay. Um, because of just the roller coaster that is going on in that song. Very true. And the violins are, are just my favorite yeah. in that song. No, very true. It's also probably my favorite video from you as well, because I remember talking about that part with you with the hands going through. Oh, yeah. The entire time. Didn't you get scratched up? I did get scratched up for sure. Because that was your friend doing that, right? Yeah. So she was really enjoying that. It was fun. It was a fun moment. The whole Reaper symbolism is definitely there. I think the interesting part is that you do have it that the lead character is having an untimely death and now's the time. So it's not like the character is necessarily being haunted while being alive. Like Mm -hmm. that kind of way, he actually is going to meet whatever is next and pay for those crimes that he committed Mm -hmm. and the Reaper's there to collect him. Exactly. So that's why the song is called Collector because it's the sort of the reaping I was I was toying with the the title for a, a long time. Like mm-hmm. I I wanted to have one word that sort of summed up what was going on, and it, I was going back and forth between like r- the reaping oh, or sure. re- reaping. Like, and then I finally I I was like I settled on collector, and I think it was perfect for for the song, and it was I I. Uh, it's definitely my favorite and it's it's probably the most challenging song to for me to sing okay and perform because it's very quick yes it's a lot of air (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah do you do any specific breathing techniques before a show to get ready for something like this yeah i i have to sing um i sing about four of our songs before a set during my warm-up and then i i just practice some some deep breathing because there have been moments where I have almost passed out oh. <laughs> on stage because I, there, I mean, you get, you get sometimes caught up with the crowd right. and, and sometimes emotion does take over a little too much. Mm-hmm. And then you realize you're struggling to breathe. And right. <laughs> so you kind of have to pull yourself back and, and go back to the technique because mm-hmm. the a show is is a battle. It's it a show is a battle with yourself as a vocalist to make sure you can balance your delivery and your technique. Like it's a very fine line right. between losing yourself on either side. Like you could either be really boring, but <laughs> but like nail every note, right? Or you can jump around and absolutely destroy your voice. So it's like a very fine line especially with songs like these like they're oh, very sure. very vocally challenging for sure is getting on stage and performing these tracks is that more of a stressful part for you where you feel more accomplished when it's over you might be thinking of it right now as yeah i have to balance this i gotta do this but when you're on stage you just kind of completely zone out sometimes okay it it a lot has to do with um, the vibes of the show too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like maybe you're not feeling well, but you still have to perform and deliver. Right. And it's it's tough to balance sort of the professional aspect of of being in a band sometimes, mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of just losing yourself completely and making a full emotional connection with yourself on stage. Right. So 
I I kind of just allow the myself to be in the moment. Okay. I, I can't really think about it before a show because if you overthink things, sometimes it's counterproductive and it'll make you stress about something that is completely not stress worthy. Right. So I, right. I just allow myself to be in the moment, I guess. It's a good way to be. That is yeah. absolutely for sure. I think sometimes people forget, especially, you know, audiences going to see you or any other band, they forget that also you have a real life that you're dealing with on a regular basis too. So if things are going on there, that might also affect how you're feeling when you go out there on stage. Oh, definitely. And depending on how what what emotion I'm feeling the moment I step on stage, mm-hmm. sometimes it's a good thing. I mean, if if I go on stage really mad yeah. at something, it usually is a very good <laughs> or or positive um, aspect that I can bring right. to the stage. <laughs> so it, it all depends. So we just have to make sure you're never happy before a show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, happiness can also be good because then it can it can usually sometimes result in a very fun show. Oh, sure. Or funny show uh. where like, Maybe my stage banter is a little bit more joking. Oh, I don't okay. know. Like, so it depending on the feeling, it could affect the the show in in a bunch of ways for sure. You know, that's something we actually never talked about. What is your stage banter? Because I haven't been able to see you live. Is that something that you get a little worried about, or do you normally have stuff that you want to go over? I think stage banter is definitely my my weak point. Oh, okay. It's it's not something I can ever pre-plan because if I pre-plan it, I'll stress over it. Ah, okay. And I've never it's ironic cuz I I've, I've never really enjoyed public speaking, really. <laughs> and and um it it's stressful for me. I when I was little, like I hated giving speeches at school, you know. Right, right. It was always like a very very scary thing. So my usually my stage banter is it's limited. I don't really I'm not one to talk between every song. Okay. I like to allow things to breathe. Right. But um, uh, it's it's I usually cut, crack a couple of jokes. Yeah. And <laughs> maybe maybe someone's yelling at the audience. I like to call them out sometimes. Okay. Um, and and then I'll I'll maybe like talk about a song before. So it's I don't like to really overwhelm a crowd with um with too much talking, I guess. Right. Okay. All right. <coughs> yeah. The allergies still got you over there a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> so let's go ahead and let's finish out on the EP with Wanderer. So this is the title track and this is fully instrumental. And mm-hmm. I know we had briefly talked about this as well, but take us through the thought for that part. Um it, and I remember explaining how it was really weird to end an album on a very nostalgic, light jazz piece. Yeah, it's I guess. a beautiful piece. Yeah. And when I listened to it for the first time, I really got these very sad and nostalgic feelings. It, sure. I don't know if that really, I don't know if you felt that way when you listened to it. I'll say for me, when you bring up nostalgia and you bring up that kind of light feeling, The way I looked at it, and even being a little off on what I thought the entire EP was, 
at least for me, I figured someone had passed away. I figured the lead character who wasn't doing very good things throughout the EP, that mm-hmm. when they passed away or whether that was right in that last track or later on in their life, that this was almost an introspective of almost the way I thought about it was that they were almost reliving if they had made different decisions. Yeah, that's 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 pretty good. Oh, I mean, there we go. Okay. <laughs> it's it would definitely be the moment that they die mm-hmm. and they are looking like the reaper kind of takes them back into the world and the character kind of gets to relive and sort of watch his life as a movie. Ah, okay. In a way mm-hmm. and it's a it's a sad moment for him because he's kind of like I could have done things so differently. Right. And um, there's so many things I, I should have done that I didn't. And it it is a state of limbo, I would say. The character's not necessarily completely crossed over, but he's in a dreamlike state. Okay. And he's back on the earth. Okay. Sort of reliving. And the, the Reaper's forcing him to sort of look at what he did and and the consequences that um have been because of his actions basically okay so when you mention having a new instrumental track that's going to bridge the gap between wonder and what you're working on next are the stories interrelated as well yeah so i'm i'm going to probably have a continuation of the of the story interesting because the ep is kind of it's it's about the person's downfall Mm -hmm. and i i'm a fan of happy endings and and redemption Mm -hmm. so i i want to make an album of redemption basically and it's going to be the climb back up Ah, and, and sort of um consolation and acceptance and remorse so that's that those are the ideas that I'm working with right now and I want to portray this character's um atonement and taking responsibility for everything and overcoming their fear cuz collector was definitely the character's fear of the consequence of what he did it's overcoming the fear to cross over basically and and come to terms with what the person did and let it go so that that'll be the next album very cool cool. yeah i'm really excited about it yeah that sounds great wow sorry i do not know why there's an echo (laughs) everyone do you hear that i can't hear it okay so the audience will cool okay (laughs) on my end but yeah yeah, so the the instrumental track that we'll be releasing pretty soon it's going to be called limbo and it'll be it'll be kind of the the middle bridging the gap between Wanderer and the next onslaught of songs. Do you know now if that's going to be an EP or a full length? I can I can say it's going to be a full length. Very nice. Okay, I no, forget I'm, if we mentioned that before or not. No, we never we never said, but okay. I've and it's not a secret. Like I've said we're working on a full length to like everyone I talk to and there's no secret there. I'm so excited. I think it's I think it's well overdue oh, and gotcha. we're going to make it because as far as um, promotion goes, Wanderer wasn't, not to say it wasn't pushed to its full potential, mm-hmm. 
we're going to go way, way harder with the album. So I'm very excited about it. Are you going to be working with a label for this or are you doing it independent? We will most likely um, record and mix it independently. Okay. And hopefully we can at least garner some um, booking agents for for some tours to tour on the album. And if by some chance a label presents us with a contract that we see as beneficial, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be opposed to, to taking it. Okay. Because we've been presented with many, very, like a lot of shitty um, contracts that we're just not comfortable um, putting our music into someone else's hands for no control over something that we created. Right. So we, we enjoy being an independent band, but if, if we can have a label sort of support us for who we are, then I'm all for that. That makes total sense. Yeah. That's very exciting, especially for longtime fans of yours and Red Handed Denial to actually get another, you know, that full length album, especially something that's going to tie into Wanderer, which I very much enjoyed. Yeah. And Wanderer was definitely where we wanted to be in terms of our sound. Right. Because we, we do have stories of old yep. as a full length. And not to say that we were young and stupid, <laughs> but we were young and stupid. And we were still sort of finding ourselves right. in that album. And uh, Wonder is definitely where we want to be with the compositions. And yep. we're just going to, we're basically just going to amplify it and, and fine tune again. And I think the songs that we have for the new album right now are going to be crazy. I'm really excited. No, I'm very excited. I'm sure the audience is excited as well. That is great to hear. I'm I'm really excited. I think that's the best word for it. Yeah, me too. And it's definitely going to be a, a little bit of a heavier album for sure. All right. That adds a little extra there too. Great. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We've never really made an album that has been um, like lower. We were experiencing, experimenting with a lot of tunings oh, okay. um, for the guitars. So where we're playing with like a lot of lower tunings mm-hmm. not to say that lowering your tuning is going to make song heavier well, right, but right. <laughs> a lot of the the compositions are coming out as very heavy and we're going to have obviously a couple of lighter tracks but mm-hmm. most of it is sounding to be very heavy and i'm very excited <laughs> are you also kind of experimenting with any type of vocal techniques or stylings that you want to as well yeah um there was a lot of stuff i didn't um get to explore like i have haven't really been able to exercise my falsetto range very much. Oh, okay. Um, so I recently wrote a track that will, um, it'll be a ballad. We've never really had a proper ballad before. And I said, guys, I think with this full length, we should have a ballad. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to write it, whatever. And I'm going to, I'm going to definitely exercise a lot of my falsetto range and i'm really excited oh that sounds great that sounds really great well we'll leave with one question from this album i got something else i want to ask you because i realize we have been talking for a long time and i don't want to take up any more of your time but do you have an idea of when this might be coming out definitely not this year okay um we want to take we want to take the time to um fully um orchestrate this album like 
we're going to go all out. We're probably going to do real a real string section, mm-hmm. um, orchestration. Very nice. P- interludes. Like it's going to be, it's going to be much higher budget yeah, than, yeah. than the EP. So we're probably looking at going in to record it in the, in the late fall, early winter. Okay. And we'll come out of 2018 with it fully, fully tracked and whatnot. And then we're going to, um, we're going to ca- build our campaign in early 2018. And then hopefully I'm thinking around the same time Wanderer came out, but next year. I see. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect timing then. All right. Yeah. Oh, very and, nice. And ideally like having the tours to, to revolve around the album. Right. So ideally I'd like to go to the West coast at some point next year. Um, oh, nice. For to promote the album, hopefully for the fall, because that's a, a nice time to go on a tour. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and especially if you're hitting the West Coast, that's a really good time to do it. Yeah, then it won't be too hot, and we won't we won't melt. Right. <laughs> yes, you people in Canada, you know, and all us, the us like <laughs> very cold people in Canada. Even though there's been like a hot, like a like a heat wave up here for a bit. Oh, really? We've been having like like 95 up here consistently for a bit. Oh, see, that's what I love. It's been scorching. <laughs> well, look, Lauren, I know I have tons of stuff I could still continue talking to you about because you're all over the place. We didn't even talk about, you know, like movies and TV shows and all that. Oh, yeah. But we will definitely do that next time for sure um, because there's definitely. no way you're not coming back on the show. But I did want to ask you this uh, before we finish up. Are you and Cole Roland okay? We are okay. All right, phew. Um, not to worry. All right. The uh, the crazy eighty eight stuff kind of hindered what we wanted to do for a bit. Okay. But I can say that we are going to have a new cover within the next two weeks. Oh. Yeah. Awesome. That so is that's great. good. It's good timing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think he's mad at me. Yeah. I think he's mad at me right now. So, um, I was kind of holding off doing vocals for the cover. It just kept getting pushed back, right. and he, I think he's mad, but I love you, Cole. There you go. See, I was either thinking that he was jealous that you were working with other people on so many covers, or that you were mad at him because he's been going more in an EDM kind of fashion, I oh, guess Oh, God, now. no. He can, do it. he can do what he wants because he does it well. Oh, like, it's I amazing. He does his thing, and it's yeah. like amazing, but um, no, I'm pretty sure that... Um, like. The Canadian tour pushed things back. Crazy 88 pushed things back. And my voice was so tired after right. the tour that I was like, cool, I just need to rest for a bit. Otherwise, I'm going to not sing this very well. <laughs> and yeah, and then life gets in the way too. So, very true. But it's done. I could say I, the vocals are done and I hope he's not mad at me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I was just, you know, I've had Cole on the show. We've talked about it. You know, I love the covers that you guys do. And there's just been that lull period where I was like, wait a second, there hasn't been a new cover out yet. There, I hope there's nothing wrong. And I, <laughs> it sounds like everything's good. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> Very nice. Well, look, by the time this episode actually comes out, then, you know, that track might be a week out or something. I hope so, yeah. Yeah, so that's good. That way, even if it comes out, then we'll, it's almost like separate promotion. Yeah, it's perfect timing. Oh, that's great. Well, Lauren... 
This has been awesome. I know we had talked about doing this again for a while, so I was really happy that you were able to fight your allergies and everything and come on the show. I, too, am dealing with something, which I don't know what it is, so I had a few slip-ups today, which isn't necessarily normal, but I wanted to thank you very much. I loved going over Wanderer. I love what you're doing on Crazy 88. and. Thank you. Just best of luck with everything because I am extremely excited to hear about the new album and just everything you're doing. Thank you for having me on the show again. We have to do this again. Yes, we do. So, Lauren, I'm going to have links in the description of this episode with Crazy 88, Red Handed Denial, with all of your personal links as well. That way people know where to support you and how to get to everything you're doing. But for right now, is there any way for people to support you? Absolutely. I think... Um Right now, at least, um, you can just either buy our music on either iTunes, Bandcamp, or you can support us through our merch store, which mm-hmm. is redhanddenial.bigcartel.com. We right. got all our physical copies on there. We got T-shirts. And I think that's definitely the best way to help us out right now, get ready for the new record and helping to fund that. And, uh, yeah, I think that's those are the best ways for sure. Very nice. So, Lauren, thank you very, very much for coming back on the show. I wish you nothing but the best, and thank you once again. Thank you so much, Ian.
you just heard the cover of The Ghost of You. I know you enjoyed that a lot. Of course, I did as well. Make sure you follow all the links in the description of this episode to support Lauren in everything she does. You've got Crazy 88. You've got Red Handed Denial. You have her personal stuff. You also have all the collaborations and covers. Links are all there so you can find everything. I'd like to thank Lauren for once again coming on the show. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, any way that you get your podcasts. That way, you'll know when we have more great conversation editions. Also, there is an Ian Hates Music Weekly show where my co-host Jackson and I talk about all the scene news, album reviews, new songs, really anything we want to talk about, and you can get that for free as well. So please follow all the links in the description of the episode to support Lauren and Ian Hates Music. I'm going to leave you with the track Trespasser from the EP Wanderer. Red Handed Denial has a brand new music video out for this, which we spoke about in the conversation, so make sure you check it out. Also, don't forget the new cover that Lauren was talking about with Cole Rowland. It's also out now, and it's linked on the website ianhates.com. So you can follow that, support both of them. They definitely deserve it. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.